first of all, like, welcome. Like, well, we're happy to have you here, man. It's, uh, you know, we got to you through Dan. Dan was awesome. It's, I'm super interested to hear how you guys kind of first, like, got together. But, uh, but yeah, man, welcome to Hard to Kill. Um, ran by Drew and I. We've heard a lot about you through Dan. And then you and I sent some texts back and forth. Mm-hmm. So uh, we wanted to start by uh, just having you tell us a little bit more about, like, your upbringing and your, your early life. Yeah, sure. Thank, thanks for having me. Um, I, I listened to the episode with Dan. I thought, look, like when you said, you know, we just want to let people talk that don't normally get to talk. Yeah, they're like, that's pretty cool. Like, I'm just, you know, you're run of the mill software engineer. And you guys are like, oh, let's just get him yeah, on and talk about it. Um, but yeah, so I, I grew up in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So small town in the middle of PA. But I, if you've had a Hershey bar, you, you know, that's our claim to fame. I, I actually grew up about three blocks from the chocolate factory. Um, yeah, dude, you're probably there a lot, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Hershey. Actually, I worked. I worked at Hershey Park. So Oh, there we go. Awesome. Like, there we go. Like I'm never going back. People are like, Oh, you want to go to Hershey Park? I'm like, no. no, no. <laughs> um Yeah, so I grew up there, grew up playing, you know, sports, basketball, baseball, football for the most part. Um golf a lot too. And then that's yeah, I was pretty good at baseball. That's how I ended up meeting Dan. I, I went to we played Division One baseball together for a year. He was a senior when I was a freshman. Um, and then yes, yeah, so then we ended up here. And basically, you know, that's kind of the the way I got into software engineering is kind of a wild wild ride too. Um, yeah, but but for the most part, just you know, normal American kid upbringing, small town, playing sports, running around with friends, doing what kids are supposed to do. So. So you said how you got into software engineering is kind of a wild story. Uh, take, yeah. us through, take us through that. So so when I got recruited for baseball, I, I really wanted to go into like mechanical or civil engineering or something like that. Um, but the only schools that wanted me to play baseball didn't have those kind of engineering programs. But a lot of them had like physics programs where you would get a physics degree and then you could go somewhere else and get like a master's in engineering because for the most part, it's like same math. Um, so I was doing that. I was I was actually a physics major for I, I it took me I was in school for five years because I registered my freshman year and I was a physics major for four of those years. Um, my junior year, I transferred to a division two school. And then when I got there, I had to part of the physics program was to take like um, computer science electives. So I took one and I was really good at it. But at the time, I still I still wanted to go into like aerospace engineering or something and do something cool like that. So I was trying to finish my physics degree, got to the end of my senior year. The last class I had to take was quantum mechanics, just failed it miserably. It it like wasn't even close. And I was like, dude, I, you know, I can take this five times. I'm never going to pass this class. Um, But luckily I, you know, I was on the five year plan anyway because of baseball. So I I had taken that computer science election. I was like, I was pretty good at that. Let me give that a try. Um, went into the computer science department head's office and I was like, all right, like all my electives, everything else is taken care of. At this point, you, you know, you need like 120 credits to graduate. I already had like 130, but I couldn't pass the one class that I needed to pass. Um, so I asked mom, like everything else is taken care of. If I just take all of the computer science classes at once, could I realistically finish the program in one year? And he was like, he's like, yeah, you could, but your life's going to suck. And I was like, great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so that's what I did. I literally just I took like three classes in the summer and then the next year, just two straight semesters of a full course load of nothing but staring at screens and typing code and yeah. got out the other end. Here we are. But 
and it's, it ended up, I mean, it, like, obviously at the time I was like, you know, this isn't what I want to do with my life. And now, like, I love it. I'm so happy that it happened. Like I've, you know, it's a cool job. It's a cool field. You're always learning new stuff. And it's probably way easier than anything I would have been doing like mechanical engineering wise or something like that. Cause that's just a ton of math right. with computers. You just let them do the math and you're like, all right, it's easier. Let, uh, let me backtrack real quick. Um, did you show me you went to two colleges? Um, I'm not sure. Did, 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 did you, you did you include in in your little write up that you had went to two different two different places? Oh no, no, definitely didn't. I thought it did. <clears throat> Sorry. So you you went to Seton Hall? Yeah. So I started at Seton Hall. I went there my freshman year. Um, you know, a typical high school baseball prospect coming out was like, oh, I'm going to go there for three years, work my ass off. I'm going to be in the MLB, whatever. Uh, freshman year, show up by far and away the worst kid on the team. And I'm like, oh, all right, it's a different world. We're not in small town America anymore. You, man. They, will, they will humble you for sure. Dude, it was. Um, and that, that's actually, that was like the year. So that was the only year that I got to play with Dan. Um, okay. He was a senior when I was a freshman. He, he was he was awesome. That whole class was like even even though I wasn't you know enjoying baseball as much as I would have liked, um, I, I was still like you know you're part of the team and that you make some lifelong friends stuff like that. So I was, I was like you know it's, it's whatever I'm gonna stick it out to, um, play baseball, get my get my degree and go. And then my junior year came around, um, and like the uh, Seton Hall is a pretty small school. I don't know if you guys talked and Tom with Dan about it, but it's, it's actually only about five thousand undergrad oh, wow. and like four thousand graduates. So it, but but for the most part, yeah, like in terms of people living on campus, there's only like 12, 1500 people living on campus and like maybe another 2000 off campus, but it's small stuff. So like the, the physics program itself was a really small program. There were probably only 15 or 20 kids in my class. So a lot of the classes you have to take, there's only one section because because they only need one. Um, so our, our class schedule came out for the spring of my junior year. Well, I guess, so it would have been my redshirt sophomore year, but my junior year. And like I was going to have these, like a bunch of labs and stuff on like Thursday and Friday afternoons, which was, but spring's also baseball season. So, like, you know, we're like playing like Texas Tech or California. So we're flying all over the country. Like we'll, we'll leave Wednesday night or Thursday morning. Um, so it was like, I had these classes that only meet once a week and I was going to miss them like 15 out of, or nine out of 15 times. And it's like, oh, well, I'm not passing those classes at all. Um, so I went in and I talked to the coach and he was, you know, like I, I, at that point I knew my role on the team too. So he was like, well, you know, like we can just leave you behind on a lot of the road trips. Cause you know, you, there's a good chance here. We can probably win games without you if needed or whatever. Um, and, and like, I didn't want to do that either. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm, I still wanted to play baseball. So that's how I ended up experience that man. Yeah. And, and it was, and it was awesome. He, I was like, at the time I was devastated. Right. Cause it's like, you know, this is what I, you know, all my friends are on the baseball team. So it's like, you, you know, you get faced with that choice or you got to pick one or the other. Um, and that sucked at the time, but I, I am thankful that the coasts were at least like honest with me. They were like, Hey, like, you know, if it comes down to it, it's, it's not going to be you traveling and missing it nine times. It's going to be you getting left behind on the weekends. So I ended up, so this was like end of the fall semester of my junior year. I had like a month to like figure out what I wanted to do because you got to enroll for those classes. Um, and then I, I ended up making the choice to transfer to Westchester, which is a small D2 school right outside of Philadelphia. Okay. Um, That's what I thought. I thought you went to another school too. I just yeah. Wanted. Yeah. So I graduated from, from uh, Westchester. That's where I ended up, you know, taking the computer science classes and stuff like that. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, and, and that ended up being an awesome choice too because I, I got to play more baseball. You know, you, you go D1 to D2. It's, it's not like you're playing scrubs or anything. It's still a really good competition, but, it, but like comparatively, you know, I got the other kids on the team aren't throwing 97 to 100. They're throwing like 88 to 91. So like you, it's a little more. I had I was able to have a bigger role there, and then you know that's where I ended up taking the, the computer science stuff. So pretty much everything worked out perfectly, and that's how yeah, that's how yeah, I yeah. That's cool, man. Everything will work its way out, you know. Yeah, um, and and the other cool thing too is like you know now I have like these two sets of lifelong friends. Like I had kids that I lived with for yeah. three, for two and a half years at Seton Hall, and I have kids that I lived with for two and a half years at Westchester. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a big added plus for sure, man. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure he could speak on it, but I mean I could definitely speak on it like a. Uh, my strongest and best friendships today are the guys I wrestle with in, at Kent State, you know. No, so, absolutely. Yeah, sure. um, it's just, yeah, it's how it is, man. No matter how the experience went, good or bad, you know. My my best friends are who I wrestle with at Kent State, you know. Um, what made you choose Seton Hall in the first place? <laughs> That's actually another wild story. I was listening to, to Dan tell his um his story about recruiting, which is super inspirational. By the way, as you guys yeah, have seen, he like he told me that my freshman year because he he told me that story like because I came in I was like you know like I said I was not good compared to other people and he like told me that story and I was like all right like you know yeah you can either feel so, sorry for yourself or you can pick yourself up and get after it mm. um but so I I kind of had like the opposite uh, experience that he did I I was you know, I was six, seven, you, you can't tell here, but I'm, I'm six, seven, you know, I'm senior year of high school. I was about six, seven, two, ten, throwing pretty hard. So I got, I got recruited. Um, the first school that I really wanted to go to was uh, James Madison in Virginia. Okay. And so I, I went down, they, they sent me some stuff. So they had me come down for a camp just cause it, it, you know, they can't go everywhere. They can't get to everyone's game. They're not going to drive to Hershey, Pennsylvania to see one kid. They'd rather go to like a, a travel tournament or something. Um, mm -hmm. But they, they had me come down to a camp because as, as a pitcher, you know, that I just have to stand on a mountain and throw. I don't necessarily have to have a batter in front of me. Like hitters, they want to see you against good competition. But pitchers, it's like you can either throw or you can't. Um, so I came down, did really well. Their coach was like all about it, loved me. Um, and then like at the end of that summer, I saw that the coach just like retired. And I was like, what the heck? Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I reach out to the new coach and then kind of how Dan explained this all happens like summer before your senior year of high school. So you don't have a ton of time. Like you can't wait till the next spring to get recruited. Um, Cause at that point, like you might get recruited in like April, you already know where you're going to school and stuff like that. Um, so I reach out to the new coach and he's like, yeah, like I'd have to come see you play. Um, and they weren't having any more camps for the summer. So he just never got to see me play. So I was like, all right, Jamie's gone. Um, and then a similar thing happened at Penn state that they I actually reached out to them earlier. So the, the way the recruiting process works, um, so you, they can reach out to you on July 1st after your junior year, but you can, they're allowed to respond. So if you reach out to them, they can respond. They just can't initiate the contact. So Penn state was like a school that I wanted to go to, whether I was playing sports or not. Um, and they actually, they don't have a, it's big 10, so it's good baseball, but they go like 20 and 30 every year. So they're not, you know, it, it was like a realistic school to go to. Yeah. Um, same thing. I reached out and they actually I got lucky. I was so I reached out to them and then I was playing in a high school game against a kid that they were recruiting. Um, so they came to see him and I just happened to be pitching that night. and I did pretty well. So 
I went up, I, you know, met the coaches. They showed me the facility, all that stuff. Like, loved it. I, like, left there. I'm like, all right, I'm going to Penn State. I'm playing baseball at Penn State. This is going to be sick. Boom, end of the year, coach gets fired. New coach, same thing. So, like, reach out again. They're, same thing. They're like, you know, and, and obviously, like, it's nothing against them. Like, they, you can't give an offer or recruit a kid that you've never seen play baseball. Yep. Um, but same, it was like they never came either. So, it was like, oh. Um, so, then Seton Hall – just that was I was at a, a travel baseball tournament and he just the coach happened to see me throw. I did pretty well. So they asked me to come to a camp. I came to a camp, did really well there. And they said, you know, we, we want to see you throw in a game one more time. Um, and I, I happened to be on a fall baseball team. So he came out. I got lucky. I do. <laughs> Their coach comes to the coach comes to watch me throw. I threw a no hitter that day. And it was oh, like, oh, you know, you're, you're pretty good at baseball. You can probably come play for us. Um, so I was like, and, you know, at that point it was like, all right, I got a division one offer. That's what I want to do. I'm going. Um, yeah. And that's, that's how I ended up at Seton Hall. Cool. 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 Um, I actually wanted to, uh, so we're jumping around a lot here, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but you know. I just want to cover across all the T's and down yeah. the A's and how his upbringing, how, how we got to where he's at. So For sure. Now I'm actually, um, you know, now moving forward. So you said you, uh, you had to basically like throw yourself into taking all these computer science classes and just like had to like immerse yourself into it. Did, was there something initially that like captured your interest? Because for you to be able to, to dive into that, you really had to grind. It sounded like where was it more of a, I just kind of got to do this cause this is where I ended up. And then you ended up loving it. Or was there something that like caught you right away where you're like, Oh, I really enjoy doing this stuff. I, I think it was a little bit of both. Like I, I knew like, all right, you know, I'm already in my fifth year of school. Like I, I need to graduate and get out of here at some point. Um, but at the same time, like I said, I had taken that computer science class as an elective, but I ended up being really good at it. And it was, and it, and it, it kind of captured my interest. But at, at that point, it's like an intro level, you know, whatever you're just doing basics, like, you know, like making your computer print hello world to you and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, as, as I took some other classes, like, you start seeing like more interesting things that you can do. And then, you know, you're just like Googling, like, you know, like everyone hears like artificial intelligence and stuff like that. Like you start looking into like the different things that you can actually do with the computer. And I was like, you know, that, like I wanted to go into engineering, but I think it's more because I just like have like a problem solving mindset, like growing up, like I love building Legos. I love like doing puzzles, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, computer science, software engineering, it's the same thing. Like you get a problem and you're tasked to figure out a solution. Um, so it, it was kind of, it was definitely stressful, like taking that many classes and, I, and it initially I threw myself at it, like, Hey, like I plan on graduating by the end of 2019. So like, I need to have it done. Um, but, I, but as I started doing that, I was like, you know, this, this, I'm putting in these crazy hours, but at the same time, it wasn't even that bad because most of the stuff I was doing was actually super interesting. Um, which is not the case in a lot of college classes I'm, as I'm sure, you know, you're grinding away. You're like, dude, when am I ever going to use this? But like, yeah, yeah. But like with computer science and software engineering, like, you know, I'm doing this. And then like you go to Google and answer or something that you can't figure out. And like the forum that someone posts on, it's like, oh, I'm a software engineer at Lockheed Martin. And here's a similar problem. So it's like, oh, I'm doing similar things like guys that are building missiles are doing. Right. So you, you can instantly see the real world application of what you're doing right there in school. Now, that was something that was really cool made it definitely made it easier to like grind away in the library until three in the morning to like get something in. But yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. If you feel it's worth it, dude, uh, you feel it's worth it and you enjoy it, man. 
the time put in, I, I don't know, it won't even really feel like much, you know? No, it doesn't. It's awesome. It'll, it'll cruise. But uh, that's cool. So what uh, what are you working for now? And then also so, what are you doing on the side? Yeah, so full-time I work. Um, I work for Vanguard. We can get into a little more specifics of, with what I do for them. Um, and then on the side, I also, a couple of my buddies from high school, basically we, we built an app that helps like smaller scale influencers um, connect with like small businesses and startups. And that's been getting traction too. But I guess to start with Vanguard, essentially what I do is um, I specialize in cloud computing, right? So, and what that means is basically like your your laptop only has like a certain, like it has like physical limits, right? Like how much like memory and RAM and stuff that, that it can use. So if you need to go above and beyond that, essentially you can basically Amazon, um, we work with AWS, Amazon Web Services. Um, basically they just have these huge warehouses of just like computers, you know, servers. So if you need more computing power, you can just send all the information from your laptop to that server um, and it'll do the computations for you and send stuff, send, send information back. So that's essentially what cloud computing is, is you're outsourcing the actual physical computing of information. Um, and then my team specifically specializes in a concept, a concept called containerization. And what that is, is like basically taking one computer and making it act like multiple computers. So the, the, um, you know, the, the, the example I always use is if you have a ton of apps open on your phone, your phone starts getting hot. Right. Um, and that, and that's because you're using, um, you'll, you'll see like the term Ram random access memory is basically how many things you can do at once on a computer. Um, so you have a limit on how many you can do, but if you only have one thing open on your phone, it's usually faster. Right. And that's because you're not actually using that much, um, memory or stuff to do that. So like for, for like your phone, like you, you don't need Snapchat open multiple times, right? There's just the one app you open it, you use it. Let's say you're hosting the back end of a website and it's like a login page. Well, you might have 5,000 people using it at one time. So you actually have to have 5,000 individual instances of that login page running at the same time. Um, but each one of those might take a super small amount of memory to do. And then the server that you're using has like, so say your server has like five gigabytes of memory, um, but the amount that you actually need to run that specific task is only like a couple bytes. You can just, you, you basically will partition it off. We'll be like, all right, we'll reserve like one gigabyte for this. And then we'll just copy it over five times. Right. So that way you only have to write the code once and your computer can just r run the same thing five different times on individual containers. Um, it makes it much more, more efficient. Basically you go from using like 60% of the CPU to like a hundred percent. Um, but that hundred percent is basically like being used as efficiently as possible to make stuff run faster. So it, it, yeah, it sounds like in layman's terms, it's just getting more out of getting more out of less. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Cool. And you, uh, I think what you said about, you know, we're, we're going to shift over that into in a second. Do you have any more questions for about Vanguard? No, no, I just wanted to touch on everything he's doing right now. Well, so with with your startup, you had you had mentioned you initially were going to work specifically on like the the software side of things, and you kind of you're doing more of kind of like a biz dev, like sales yeah. type type stuff. So uh, dive into that. Yeah. So w when I started, you know, it was middle of quarantine, and 
you know, like locked in our house for however long. I'm a computer nerd. All I've been doing is just like, you know, trying to learn different stuff that, to do on the computer. Um, and I had wanted to get into like app development, like actually building like user interfaces on your phone and stuff. Because for the most part, I'm what you would consider like a back end engineer. Um, I don't do any of like the the pretty stuff. Like you go to a website, it looks nice. You click on buttons. Like I don't do any of that. I do. Once you click on that button, what happens next? Like what happens behind the scenes? That's stuff that I do. Um, so I, you know, just kind of randomly talked to um, my buddy, our partners are Dustin and Jake. Those are kids I went to high school with. And then they were telling me how they were doing this idea. And I was like, oh, you know, like, and, and when I started, I wasn't even really working for him. I was just kind of following along. So I was interested in it. Um, and then they asked me if I wanted to come on board. And I was like, yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I initially went in thinking I'm going to be like a software engineer for this thing. And then I got in, I was like, you know what, like I, I can't code apps at a high enough level to be effective for this. Um, but we had another guy, Mohamed, who was really good at it. And Jake was pretty good at it too. So we were like, all right, they, they can handle the coding. And, and I'll help them like give some like, you know, engineering tips here and there or say like, you know, if we need to like structure different stuff and, and all of it's hosted on the cloud. So it definitely helps with that, that backend knowledge. Um, but for the most part, it was just like, when I joined, it was, we launched in, I joined like end of October and we launched the app last November. So it was like coming fresh. Um, and, and in the beginning we had basically like a chicken and egg problem. It was like, it was hard to get influencers on it if we didn't have brands for them to work with, but it was also hard to get brands on it if we didn't have like influencers for them to hire. So there was, you know, one or two months where it was like just a solid grind of like DMing people and like just reaching out, like basically not cold calling. So we we're actually calling them like sending emails, reaching out on LinkedIn, reaching out on Instagram DMs, just like yeah, sliding in people's DMs being like, Hey, you want to download our app? Um, but yeah, and, and I ended up being, you know, pretty good at that. So that's, that's kind of what my role has been as of recent is just kind of, you know, business development and stuff like that bringing new brands on and then helping match them up with the, uh, with the right influencers and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah. That's, a, that's a cool platform because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, businesses or people that do stuff like that on the larger scale where it's like, okay, like you gotta have, you know, at least like 250 K followers, you know, yeah. you know, X, Y, Z. And then there's like, you know, I mean, guys like us that are like, kind of climbing towards stuff like that mm -hmm. but we're not quite there yet and it's like well there's nothing to offer us guys yeah but like, right. it sounds like you guys created essentially would like cater to, to people like us whether it's athletes or just influencers in a different different type of way yeah definitely and that that was kind of the the motivation behind it because like i mean you hit the nail on the head it's like you know if you're cam newton it's easy for you to get an endorsement right like nike will give you a million dollars to make yeah. it because you have three million followers um but there's actually if you, if you look at the numbers, they don't really produce that much ROI on that stuff. It's more yeah. brand awareness at that point. But if you go like with, basically we call them micro and nano influencers, which is basically anyone between like 1,000 and 100,000 followers for the most part are the people that are on our app, um, which is another crazy concept that 100,000 followers is considered a micro influencer yeah. in today's world. But, but like you get much higher ROI because you know, like if I follow you on Instagram, you have 2000 followers. It's probably because I relate to you more, right? Like I, I follow Cam Newton on Instagram. That's just because he's, he's Cam Newton. And I want to see what he's doing with his life. But, you know, I, I don't relate to him. If he tells me to go buy a pair of shoes, I'm probably not going to do it. But 
like you said, you know, if you it's it's a much more engaged and personal audience. So, you know, if you follow me and I I say like, hey, you know, these I've been wearing these shoes are super comfy. And, you know, the reason that you follow me is probably because we have similar lifestyles or we're friends and you're more likely to take that word and actually check it out. No doubt. Um, right. Because word, word of mouth is the best form of advertising. Like if, if you go to buy shoes and your your buddy's like, hey, I got these new Adidas last week. They're super comfy. It's like, well, I'm probably going to go buy those instead of just picking something off the shelf. Um, so that, that's kind of the concept that we wanted to capitalize on. And and I think so far the, the highest we've seen, it was a company called Mad Rabbit. And they, they were actually on Shark Tank. They do a, like tattoo aftercare stuff for your skin. Um, and they saw like seven times ROI, what they put down. So they basically, there are app lets you, you know, you invite however many influencers you want. You can send them pro, um, promo codes, discount codes, stuff like that. So they like, just for fun, they invited like two and gave them two different discount codes to see like who would do better. And in total, they ended up, they put down like almost a thousand dollars and they got like $7,000 in sales in like a week and a half. Oh, wow. So Thank it's you. like the, the ROI, if, if you do it right with micro influencers, the ROI is through the roof because one, like you, you don't have to pay them that much. The, the average influencer on our app probably costs like 20 to $30, right? Oh. Like they're going to have 1500 to 3000, 4000 followers. Um, and depending what your product is, you know, you pay them 20 bucks to it. You really only need to sell, like if you're selling watches or whatever, you need to sell like one or two and you break yeah. even. So it, it is, it's a really cool concept. I think we have, uh, his, his name is Michael White. You should know. I'll, I'll get you hooked up with him. He's a really interesting yeah. guy, but he he uh, started a, uh, a basically a watch company. And, and he just, he, he was posting about it on LinkedIn. He was like putting the numbers together. And he was like, they, he, I think he invited three influencers for a total of $129. And with that $129, he got an active engagement of almost 15,000 people. Wow. So if I, if I told, if you paid me, if you said, Hey, I need you to go hand out a flyer to 15,000 people, mm -hmm. I'm going to charge you a lot more than $120 to do that. <laughs> but like he was able to do that. And, and now there's 15,000 people that at least, you know, they might not buy a watch right there, but they see another ad. They're going to be like, oh, I recognize that brand. They're building brand awareness, stuff yeah. like that. And, and and what he and the way he said, it, you know, basically it was like he now has an engaged audience of 15,000 people. And for the price that he spent, he needs to sell three watches to break even. Yeah, yeah. Like, that is crazy. Like, it, and then, like, like the, the percentage on that. So what you need point zero zero three percent sales. Of the yeah, that's exactly what I can say. Yeah, it, it's it's absolutely crazy. Um, but at the same time, like if you wanted to call up like Cam Newton, he would have charged you two million dollars to do yeah. it. So like, it, it it's just it's basically it's almost like what I say it's like crowdsourcing advertising. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Right, like it, it you can get one person with a hundred thousand followers, or you can get a hundred people with one thousand followers. You're getting the same amount of people, but the hundred people might charge you like ten dollars versus you know, two or 300. So. Right. No, it's cool, man. Laying the foundation, you know, yeah. For, you know, I don't know, a nice, a nice firm foundation in the long run, I guess, you know? Yeah. And that, and that's the point. It has been like, I guess the first six months it was tough, right? Like it's a grind. You're calling people, you're doing whatever, but it's been recently, like we've started having, you know, brands. It, when we first started, the way it would work is we would DM a brand. And we would try to get them on the phone, like set up like a Zoom meeting or something and like sell the product to them, get 
get them to start a campaign, like tell them which influencers they should be inviting. And then like, you know, it's posed so other influencers can apply to, to it and stuff like that. Um, but in, in about the last month, we've seen a couple of brands just like download the app, start a campaign and like invite people on their own. Like, that's awesome. Cause we're like, all right, we are so close that we're at the point that it's like organic growth on its own. You know, we, we don't have to push it the entire time. We still are right. Like you want to push those sales as much as you can, but like, what, I, I remember like, it, it was small, but it's just like, it was so exciting to see someone just download the app and make it like an advertising oh, campaign without oh, us, without us saying a word to them. It was like, yo, that is sick. Like we actually have an app that people want and they're finding it on their own and they're using it. They, they made yeah. the initiative. That's cool. Dude, that's like, that's like immediate, like direct validation that what you guys are doing, it is, you know, it's, it's a good thing, you know? Yeah. And I think too many people get caught up with, uh, <clears throat> they try to, they everyone sees everything like in the romantic version of like the biggest thing possible like becoming the nike becoming the adidas and that type of stuff and yeah that's awesome and if you're able to to do something like that with your business or your brand um cool but you know you could also do some really 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 awesome stuff either for a smaller segment or maybe even somewhere in the middle and have a huge impact and do really well for yourself and the and the people you know in the business and uh that's important too, because if alls we had were the huge brands, they wouldn't be able to, to serve everyone. I mean, I kind of operate under like, you know, uh, under like the mindset of there's an abundance, you know, of opportunity, not, you know, not a scarcity mindset. So it's cool. It's really cool to see you guys doing that. Now, I, I myself am like super interested. Like you just sold me. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm yeah. We'll both look into it. Yeah, I'll, I'll go into salesman mode. No, you honestly, you probably should download the app. Like, cause, like MMA fighter with a decent following, like people are going to want to market stuff on that. And it, it is, it's like, it, it, it's just really cool to see. That's another thing we're pushing right now is athletes, right? Because they just, with the NCAA doing um, name, image and likeness, like that opens yeah. up a huge untapped market. Um, and like, I, I, we think that we're really well positioned for that because you know, the, the Alabama football players and stuff, they're not going to need help, right? Like, I think I saw the Alabama starting quarterback already has like $8 million in endorsements lined up for this year. I'm like, all right, good for you. You're going to have a good time in college. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, right. He's a really good time in college. Yeah, he's, he, no, he is. He's a true freshman. He's oh. starting quarterback. He's got, he's going to make like $8 million this year. Yeah, guy's um, like yeah he's, he's, he's going to, he's going to do, <laughs> he's going to do just fine in Tuscaloosa, man. But, yeah. um, He'll, he'll do good. Oh, like, he may not even want to go pro, actually. So yeah, really, he probably doesn't even have to if he doesn't want to. <laughs> he just retired, um, actually. I got the <laughs> Yeah, that, but yeah, but but like you go past that, there's you know a division two, division three, and even like the smaller sports that like you know, like there's probably a women's soccer player that might have like you know 3,200, 5,000 followers. But at the same time, like she's a division one soccer player, like there's that validation right there. So and, you know, there might be like a like an athleisure company or something that wants to work with her, like, you know, like supplements or whatever. And and, I mean, you guys lived it too. your college athlete. You're broke, man. Like You you are broke for four years. Um, So, yeah, like 40, 50 bucks here and there like that's they're going to jump on that. And then they're going to be brands are going to be like, all right, you know, they're not famous, but at the same time, it's like, like I said, they're there. It's almost kind of like having a blue check mark. Like they're verified. They're a division one athlete. People are going to trust what they say. 
Yep. Like, I, like I, I wasn't an MLB player, but if I go to a Little League field and give a kid a pitching tip, like they might listen because I played yeah. Division One baseball. Like I probably have something to offer. Um, right. So that's like the next thing that we want to like we're attacking that hard. Like we want to get college athletes on there, help them make money, help. I mean, helping ourselves by helping them, but just, just the potential there is it's so high. And it's just, it's, it's so like, I'm jealous because like, if, like, like I said, I wasn't a huge name, but like, I would have loved to somehow make money off myself in college. Like, it's, it's an awesome time to be re- getting recruited for college sports. I'll tell you that much. I'm thinking right now, like, what brand would have looked at my dumpster fire ass and been like, <laughs> I to throw money at this what? thing. <laughs> right. But, but like, but, it, and it, but it's not even necessarily brands, right? Like, you guys were wrestlers at Kent State. Yeah, there might be like a yeah, bar yeah. that would pay you guys to post about it because you got a thousand followers on campus. And they're like, oh, the wrestling team goes there all the time. We should check it out. Like, like it, yeah. it, it, the, the possibilities are so high. The, the possibilities and in, in the opportunities, man, just go through the roof. And I think it. this is only going to make, like, becoming a college athlete become more prideful. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot more yeah. people take a lot more pride in, like, what they did yeah. or what they're doing, you know, because there is that, like, uh, that little elf in the room. Like, I could get some money thrown at me right now. I'm not even a professional, you know. And right. It's, uh, yeah, I know, dude. It's this is good. Like we we missed we missed the boat a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is what it is. It was that. I mean that that whole concept was such bullshit. I mean, yeah. I'm against like directly paying them to play, right? Like yeah. I do think like amateur athletes should be given opportunities, though, and they always should have been. You know. Right. Yeah, but it's like you know, if a sorority girl is allowed to make you know have a hundred thousand followers and make money off her posts, it's like, dude, the like the football Great. players at Clemson, they have like three hundred thousand followers and. It, it doesn't even have to be football related, but they're not allowed to like just make money off their own. Like, who was it? The uh, who was? Did you guys see the story? It was like a, a kicker at like UCF or somewhere. He was like a kicker on the football team, and he was just making like YouTube videos because he's really good at soccer too. So like he was like kicking the ball like yeah, like off the crossbar from like the midfield and stuff like that. And he was like putting videos up of him doing it, and he started like getting generating ad revenue on his YouTube videos and the UC uh, NCAA said, you're not eligible to play football anymore, <laughs> but he was making soccer videos. Yeah, right. football He's like, I'm not even making money off of football. Like I'm making money off of soccer, which I don't even play. That's the return, man. Yeah. They're making enough money off all these guys for free. And <laughs> exactly. It was like keeping the university alive. And uh, this guy can't, you know, make a, some fun videos about kicking. What's it? Soccer balls. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it, um, it, 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 they were they were cool video like he would like set a trash can up and he'd stand like on the other end of the field and just boom right into it because i mean i assume he was good at soccer and that's how he ended up being a football kicker but it was still it's like completely different sports like why is he not allowed to do that yeah dude they want their hands in on everything man but this is good man this is good i think like i said uh a lot, a lot more athletes are going to take a lot more pride in, in probably being an athlete now you know as opposed to just thinking they just got recruited just to be there you know so there's a little, there's another avenue alongside it too, man, to build a name. Yeah. And it, it'll be like a good learning experience. Like kids are going to learn how to market themselves. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. 100%, man. Like that, that's all life is. <laughs> really, I mean, you interview for a job, you're selling yourself. You, you're selling yourself. Yeah. You know, you want to make a team. You have to sell yourself. We're performing the whole time, so you don't even realize it. But, yeah. Um, it is what it is. Um, real quick, again, just shout your, shout your app out one more time, man, just so – me fluence. Yeah, it's me fluence. So influence, but with a me in front of it. Okay. Cool, man. Super easy. You can go on the app store. You can download it now. 
it's it's comp- the other thing is it's completely free to use, right? Like, so we're kind of set up. We've kind of positioned ourselves as like a uh, a, a talent agency for influencers. So, if say you're you set your price up front, um, that's another thing that's different. Like, there's no negotiation, right? Like, you say, hey, I'll do a job for fifty dollars, and they either say yes or no, and they might come back and say, hey, you're charging too much, and then you have the option to to drop your price, but you're not like doing like back and forth negotiation. We wanted to get rid of that because that's where like, you know, smaller scale influencers just get screwed because like they don't have an agent, they don't have like someone to represent them. Um, so our, our whole thing was making it as easy and fast as possible, but it's, it's completely free. Basically, if, if you're, um, if your price is $50, we take 20%, so you would get paid out 40, but you get paid out instantly, which is awesome. You know, you post, we verify it automatically as soon as you, as soon as you hit the submit button, if all the, the boxes get checked, boom, you got money in the bank. Um, we don't try charge brands anything to use it. So that's, that's, that's kind of our whole business model. We were like, you know, th- there are other, like, there's like grin, there are other sites that help influencers do that, but they charge like two, three, 400 a month. And I'm like, yeah, you don't need that. Like I said, who like the Ubers and the Airbnbs did it right. Right. It's shared economy. You just, we make money if you make money, but you know, if, if you have a product that people want to use, you don't have to have a monthly subscription. Right. If they are using it, you will make your money. So yeah. Word, word. Um, do you want to ask them the question? I think it's time for the <laughs> question. Time for the question, dude. We're gonna we're gonna spin in a different direction now. Go Let's ahead. go. So uh what would you say um throughout your life, whether it's a mindset, the skill set you you developed, something that you've went through, like a personal experience, what would you say makes you uh hard to kill? It's a good question. Uh. <laughs> um, no, honestly, actually, I, complete transparency. I listened to the one on Dan. I was kind of prepared for it. Um, I think what makes me hard to kill is like adaptability, ability to learn. Right? Like, like I said, like going through the college recruitment process, I just had the world flipped upside down three times. Like, yeah, but I was yeah. like, all right, all right, change direction. We'll go somewhere else. You know, went through school got all the way to the end. Oh, guess what? You're not graduating as a physics major because the last class you need to pass, you can't pass. So it was like, boom, pivot again. We'll just go to computer science instead. I think that's probably like the one thing that I'm really good at is kind of just taking what life throws at you and just like run with it. Right. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't get upset about the things you can't control. If you just adapt. and take. Yeah. There's a level of two control and there's a level to what we can't, you know? Yep. So, very cool. Yeah, I definitely picked that up. You are adaptable. I was picking it up the whole time. You're, you know, you were spitting different directions and whatnot. It sounds like you know, and uh, so it's a it's a cool one that you call that out. So very uh, underrated life skill too. I think very underrated. Oh, one hundred percent. And yeah, it it's, it definitely makes people hard to kill when they're adaptable, man. Because wherever you throw them, they're gonna figure it out. You know? Yeah. Because like, unless you literally kill me, like yeah, I, I, I will find something else to do. Like, I, go ahead. Good, man. We can resonate with you for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a, a good stopping point. Uh, yeah. Tim, you got anyone uh, you want to shout out, friends, family, anything like that, uh, or just open floor if you want to finish up. And I, I, I got I got too many people to shout out, you know, just mentors everywhere. I guess Coach Roberts growing up, he's dude, just literally he minor league baseball player. Never charged me a dime, just coached me up for a while. So he was awesome. But yeah, basically, I mean, any coach, teammate, work team, like anybody that might be listening, thank you. Hell yeah, man. We we don't get to where we are unless 
without the people around us. So no, it's it's definitely a a group in the group effort. A group effort. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I keep a relatively tight circle, so if you're in the circle, you know. And thank you. There you go. Same here. There man. we go. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> All right, sweet. Well, thanks for coming on, Tim. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on, bro.